Chapter Three of Bobby in Search of a Birthday by Lebeus Mitchell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three Hunting for the Thing You Mustn't Think About. When he had gone a long way, Bobby crossed the road and crawled under the fence into the field beyond. He tried so hard not to think about the thing he was searching for that he forgot all about the fact that it had been hours since dinner and that the sun's bedtime could not be so very far off. One can't remember everything when trying so hard not to think of one thing. He wasn't thinking of that, only of the presents Richard had received, and that wasn't the same. He trudged on till his short legs grew weary, always looking down at the ground and stepping oh so lightly. He was startled when a big gruff voice suddenly boomed out right in front of him. Hello, Bob. What are you doing out here? Bobby was so astounded that he blurted out the truth without thinking. Hunting for my birthdays. Hunting for your birthday, huh? Well, now, what do you think of that, Steve? And the rough-bearded man who had spoken to him winked prodigiously at the youth who was helping him mend a broken place in the fence. "'Where'd you lose it?' asked the youth. "'Don't know,' confessed Bobby. "'That's a funny thing to lose,' said the rough-bearded man. "'Sure you had one?' "'Don't exactly remember,' replied Bobby. Then a dreadful thought came to him. He was thinking about his birthdays. Please, I mustn't not think about it. The bearded man burst out laughing. <laughs> You're a funny codger, hunting for something you mustn't think about. What do you think of that, Steve? Steve didn't think very highly of the matter, Bobby was sure from the way he laughed. Does your mother know you're out? asked Steve, and in turn exchanged another prodigious wink with the man with whiskers. "'Ain't not got any mothers,' said Bobby. "'Oh,' said the bearded man in a different voice, "'you're one of the kids old man Eller has out of his place.' "'Yes, am,' Bobby admitted and began to back away. These men were making fun of him, and he felt uncomfortable, and they had made him think of his birthdays.' He had taken only a few backward steps when a big, pleasant voice behind him made him jump. Quite a ways from home, aren't you, son? I'm hunting for my... But Bobby remembered just in time and stopped. Yes'm, he added and turned to look up into a pair of friendly blue eyes and at lips that smiled under a blonde mustache that curled up at the ends. The man put a hand on Bobby's shoulder and drew him closer. Lost, are you? Well, we'll soon fix that. What is your name? Noam, said Bobby, trying to answer the man's questions in order. Noam, that's a funny name, exclaimed the man and laughed till his eyes all crinkled up. <laughs> Noam's not my name, laughed Bobby. Noam, I'm not lost. I'm hunting. Again he remembered just in time and stopped. That's a secret, is it? Is your name, too? Bobby North, he replied and smiled up at this man who laughed at him without making fun of him. Where do you live? Way off, 
there, replied Bobby, pointing over the tops of the trees. Oh, up there. You've chosen a fine home. He's one of the kids at Eller's place, Mr. Anning, interrupted the man with the whiskers. He's hunting for his birthday, which he was careless enough to lose, added Steve. Was not careless, denied Bobby, and that unsteady lower lip began to tremble. Of course you were not careless, said the man with the mustache. Somebody just forgot to tell you. Here, take this. He put his hand in his pocket and drew it out full of money. He selected a large, shining white piece and put it in Bobby's hand. Here's a quarter for you. Now it will soon be sundown and you'd better make tracks for Mr. Ellers. Know how to find it? Thank you, said Bobby, clutching the quarter and not forgetting what the superintendent told him to say whenever anybody gave him anything. Then, after a time, he remembered the man's question and he replied to it, Yes'm. That's it. That house way over there on the other side of the road, said the man. Keep your eyes on the house and you can't miss it. Yes'm, said Bobby and started off. Here, called the man. Wait a minute. Here's a quarter for you. He drew out another handful of money and selected another shining white quarter, only it was not so shiny as the other one. Now ski-daddle for Mr. Ellers. Forgetting to thank the man for the second quarter, Bobby started off, keeping his eyes fixed on the house. When he had gone a long ways, he turned and looked back. The man, with the pocket full of quarters, waved to him, and Bobby, after waving too, set resolutely onwards for the house far off across the road. Now, it's hard to remember just what you are going to do when one is a very little boy, and has just been given two whole quarters, all for his very own, particularly if the disturbing thought will come to you, that you can have lots and lots of quarters and other things given to you if you have birth, the thing you mustn't think about. That reminded Bobby. He was sure that he hadn't stepped on it while he was thinking, or he would have felt it under his foot as he did the spoon. Perhaps it might be somewhere along this mysterious inviting white road, all covered with dust and lined with trees and bushes, that wound away further than anyone could see. It might be just beyond that turn, there where the meadow lark was sailing happily up into the sky. He would go there and look. Dragging his toes in the dust to see if his lost birthdays might be covered up there, Bobby gained the turn in the road, and the next one, and the one beyond that, and still trudged on, his short legs aching and stumbling. He wasn't thinking about the thing he mustn't think about. Why didn't he feel it under his feet? Perhaps because the water wasn't in his eyes, so he couldn't see it, as it had been when he stepped on the spoon. He began to fear he couldn't go much farther. Still, he kept on. Then, suddenly, the sun went entirely to bed. Bobby began to be frightened, for he had never been out all alone with the darkness. When it's all dark, little boys can't tell what other things may be about. His lip began to tremble, and now the water did come into his eyes. That interested him. 
It was so when he stepped on the spoon. It might be that he would find his... what he was looking for now, and he stumbled on through the dust and the gathering darkness toward the next turn in the road. As he toiled on, he became conscious of a gentle purring sound behind him that kept getting louder and louder. He was almost at the turn when there came a fierce honking right behind him. Blinded by the water in his eyes, he could but dimly see a great black mysterious object almost on him when he turned. He was too frightened to move. The thing came to a sudden stop just a few feet from him, and he saw that it was only a mobile. A rough young voice cried, "'Don't you know enough to get out of the road when you hear a car coming, you little—' "'James, you might have struck him,' cried a sweet, frightened voice from the body of the mobile. "'We ought not to have tried to make home without having the lights on.' "'Don't stand there in the way like a—' the rough young voice began, but the woman's voice interrupted. "'The child is crying. Open the door, James.' Before he knew what she was going to do, the lady was kneeling right in the dust of the road by his side. She put her arms about him and drew his head against her breast. It was so soft and warm there and so safe that Bobby cried all the harder for very relief and his arms stole about the neck of the lady until his fingers got tangled in her soft hair. "'I do believe the child is lost,' said the lady, and gathering Bobby up in her arms, she carried him into the mobile. "'Light the lamps, James,' she added from the depths of the black-cushioned seat. James, who wore a pair of big glasses that almost hid his face, turned on the lights, and, through his tears, Bobby soon saw two beams of light spurt out on the road ahead. "'Tell me your name, won't you?' begged a low voice close to Bobby's ear. He struggled to control his sobs enough to answer. "'I like little boys,' added the voice coaxingly. "'B-b-b-bobby,' he said at last, nestling closer in those protective arms. "'He's so tired he's falling asleep,' said the voice, which was the sweetest Bobby had ever heard. End of chapter 3